We are still in chapter six, mission number six. We are in the 48 ways to wisdom and we're up to way number 27. Hasameach Bechelko, someone who is joyous with their lot. How do you achieve wisdom? How do you achieve Torah? What are the ways to acquire Torah? Our sages enumerated for us 48 different ways, 48 different paths, 48 different means of acquisition of Torah. And one of the ways, way number 27, is hasameach bechelko, someone who is joyous with their lot. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because that has appeared earlier in the book, chapter 4, Mishnah number 1. Chapter 4, Mishnah number 1, we read about how, you know, who is wise? He who learns from everyone. Who is mighty? He who conquers Yitzhah Who is rich? He who is sameach bechelko. He who is happy with his lot. Ezo Mechubad, who is an honorable person, Hamechabad Esabrios, he who honors others. And that was a mission that kind of highlighted that there are certain qualities that are the real causes for certain results. Who is wise? You may think, well, someone who is very educated, someone who is very intelligent, someone who has a high IQ. But the person who's truly wise is someone who's always learning and has an attitude of learning from everyone who is humble enough to say, I don't know everything. I need to learn. And everyone has something to teach me. Who is mighty? Not someone who is, you know, a a gym rat, who doesn't miss, doesn't skip leg day, who has lots of bulging muscles, who's able to do 150 push-ups. True might is overcoming the real enemy, the real nemesis, the Yitzhahara. Who is rich? Someone who has very high income. Someone who has a bulging 401k. Someone who has lots of assets and cash flow and wealth. A second, a third home. Lavish vacations. No. Who's truly rich? Someone who's happy with their lot. Who is honorable? People that... Yeah, others look up to and admire. Celebrities, no. Someone who bestows honor upon others. That is a mission that we saw earlier. And we learned about this concept of happiness with your lot. Everyone is given a different amount, so to speak, of, of resources, of assets in the world. Some people, they just, whatever they touch turns to gold. Others, they may have high intelligence and high education, a great degree, but it doesn't seem to work out for them. And everyone is exhorted to be happy with what you have. Because if you're not happy with what you have, you will be a pauper regardless of how much you have in absolute terms. If no matter what you have, you always want more, you'll never be happy. As they say, if you cannot be happy with a nice cup of coffee, you will not be happy with a yacht. If someone has very little and they want more and they get some more and that just triggers them that they want even more, how can you say that they are rich? The amount that they now feel like they're lacking is even more than they had 
desired previously. But if someone acknowledges, well, the Almighty gives every person what they need, we have enough to sustain ourselves, and it's all in the hands of the Almighty, then they'll, they'll be very happy with their lot because their lot was accorded to them by God. And that's a very happy thing to dwell upon. The Almighty gives us everything that we need. Everything that we need to accomplish our mission in life. Everything we need to be successful in life. He will give us all the resources. He will position us to succeed in life. And that bestows great joy to a person. And you feel very rich because everything that you need, you have. In our morning prayers, there are two blessings that should grant us great joy. She'asa li kol tzarki. Praiseworthy is Almighty God who made for me everything that I need. Everything that I need, I have. That's a beautiful blessing and one that inspires tremendous joy. Whatever I need, I have. Whatever I don't need, I don't have. That's a beautiful perspective on life. I've been positioned by God to succeed. The second blessing. God prepares the footsteps of man. My path in life. What I need to accomplish. God prepared my footsteps. That's a beautiful notion, and it's associated with this idea. You're happy with your lot because your lot was given to you by God. And your path in life was blazed for you by God. You have everything you need. Now it's up to you to exercise your free will to accomplish what you need to do with all the tools, the requisite tools that you need for your mission. That's what we learned, chapter 4, mission number 1. What does this possibly have to do with wisdom? We're told that this attitude, this attitude is one of the ways to acquire Torah. And we see maybe how it's one way to be happy and to not feel like you're lacking and you're like, really, the, the real rich person is he who is happy with their lot. But how does this lead to the acquisition of Torah? It doesn't immediately seem to be related. So perhaps there are a few different ways to understand this. If a person is not happy with their lot, if they always have that gnawing feeling that um, I don't have enough resources. I need a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm severely lacking. I'm not keeping up with the Joneses or the Goldbergs. Someone who has that attitude, that will dominate their mind. And they won't have the peace of mind that is needed to study. If a person is always thinking about their material deficiencies all the various things that they're lacking that may consume them and to have the capacity to acquire Torah, you need to have a lot of 
concentration. You have to have a high degree of intellectual focus and commitment. All the great scholars who accomplished a lot in Torah, they were able to focus and to concentrate and to have a lot of time and focus and energy towards the acquisition of Torah. We have lots of stories in the Talmud and, of course, all the great sages throughout our history that they were able to dedicate complete focus on the task of acquisition of Torah, that focus to the exclusion of anything else. So if there's any hang-ups, any other pursuits that consume us, that occupy our mind in an unrelenting fashion, that will inhibit our ability to immerse ourselves in Torah and thus to acquire it. To acquire Torah, you need to have full immersion. Half measures won't work. So maybe this is what is being referred to in our Mishnah. You have to be happy with your lot. You have a lot, you have a little, it doesn't matter. But if you're happy, if you're content with your lot, then you will have the the capacity, your mind can be receptive to Torah on the level, on the degree that would be required to to actually achieve Torah. So this is idea number one, that yes, we have the Mishnah earlier to be happy with your lot. And that's talking about, you know, the, the, the physical and, and material gifts and blessings that you were accorded to by God. And that's also needed not just to be happy and to feel like you're rich, but also to, to acquire a Torah. You need to have that peace of mind and that capacity, or that, that, that receptiveness to Torah, if that's gnawing at you, if that's niggling at you, if that's always bothering you, and you need to, you need to feel like you're always trying to, you're, you, you haven't, you don't have enough, and you need to acquire more. Well, you probably won't have the the presence of mind to immerse yourself in Torah with sufficient dedication. But I want to suggest another approach. What does it mean to be happy with your lot? So in the context of the previous Mishnah, chapter 4, it's talking about who is rich, he who is happy with his lot. You think that if you have a lot of finances, then you're rich. No, no, no. Even if you have a little, and even if you have a lot, it's about how happy you are with that. But the, the context of happiness with your lot in the previous Mishnah it's about the finances, the material blessings, the income, the wealth, etc. But perhaps there's another context for this concept of being happy with your lot. We have a prayer that we say multiple times a day. Grant us our portion in your Torah. We ask God, give us, grant us our portion, the portion that's ours in your Torah. If you think about this prayer, it's a bit of a problematic phrasing. When we ask God to grant us something, 
Obviously, it's something that we don't have. So we say grant us, but then we say our portion. If it's our portion, then it's ours. If it's ours, we don't need to ask God for it. So how can we say grant us our portion in your Torah? The answer, the commentaries explain, is that there is a portion of Torah that's ours, but we still need it to be granted to us. At Sinai, there was a collective national revelation, national prophecy. But the Ramban notes that God spoke at Sinai, not in a plural fashion, but in a singular fashion. And the commentaries elaborate that there were 600,000 souls present at the revelation. And although there was a collective revelation, there was also an individualized, personalized, bespoke revelation to each individual. The commentaries tell us, the Midrash talks about this, every person received a revelation that was tailored to their capacity. Everyone absorbed the maximum intensity that they can bear. But even the content of the revelation was individualized. Each one of these 600,000 souls received an individual angle and dimension and understanding of Torah that was completely unique to them. We think perhaps of Torah as a monolithic corpus, but the truth is, there are at least 600,000 angles of interpretation, one for every soul that was present at the Sinai Revelation. As an example, the Talmud tells us that the teachings of the Mishnah and the Talmud and the writings of the prophets, all that was included in the original Sinai Revelation. And the Midrash explains that the souls of all the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Malachi, they were all present at Sinai. And the prophecies that they said subsequently, they were all conveyed to their souls at Sinai. Every prophet was given their prophecies at Sinai. And then in their time, they discovered, so to speak, the Torah that was a portion to their soul at Sinai. They discovered it and were able to reveal it in its proper time. As an example, the Midrash cites the first verse of the prophet Malachi, and it starts off a pronouncement of the word of God, Biyad Malachi, in the hands of Malachi. 
And the Midrash says, wait a minute, why does it say biyad malachi? It should say biyamei malachi, in the days of malachi. Says the Midrash, no, this prophecy was not pronounced, was not conveyed in the days of malachi. It was conveyed in the days of Sinai, a thousand years before malachi. It was conveyed to the soul of Malachi at Sinai, and it was held in escrow in the soul, so to speak, of Malachi until the proper time came to reveal it. But it was sourced. It originated at Sinai. And that's true for all prophecies. And it's true for the Mishnah and the Talmud. And it's true for every new novel insight that's discovered and that is revealed by any student of Torah throughout all of history. Even today, we're thousands of years removed from the Sinai revelation. We still have the capacity and we still have the mandate to discover the unique revelation that is associated with our soul ever since Sinai. And that's the prayer. Grant us our portion in Torah, the portion that has our name in it, grant us the ability to rediscover that portion that was accorded to our soul at Sinai. Let us understand it, rediscover it, and be able to share it with the world. We have a Mishnah here that talks about the pursuit of Torah. 48 ways to acquire wisdom. What are we trying to acquire? We're trying to acquire Torah. Well, what does that mean? It means we're trying to acquire both the collective revelation of Torah, but also the individualized, personalized revelation of Torah that was accorded to our soul individually. There's the universal Torah, and then there is the personalized Torah. And we need to acquire both. Perhaps when it says to be happy with your lot, perhaps it's a reference to your own corner of Torah. You have to be happy with it. How do you find your personalized Torah? That's a very hard question. To answer, of course, we have the prayer to try to elicit divine assistance in that mission. We are told, for example, in the Talmud, that when a person finds a particular section of Torah that really resonates with them, they should spend a lot of time studying it. Why? Because the part of Torah that is associated with your soul is a part of Torah that you will have a preternatural attraction to. And therefore, if you find a portion of Torah that really resonates, and that is quite likely an area, a dimension of Torah that is associated with your soul, and you should make a major emphasis in it. But to do it properly, you have to be happy with your lot. Every person is going to be positioned to achieve their dimension of Torah. And your intelligence and your spiritual capacity and your mode of understanding and the type of brain, the type of thinking that you do, all that will be oriented towards trying to help you find 
the particular element, dimension, angel of Torah that was accorded to your soul at Sinai. But let's say you want your fellow's intelligence. I don't like my intelligence. I wish I was as sharp, as clever, as creative, as um, well-organized as someone else. If you're not happy with your lot, you're not going to end up with your Torah. Because the only tools that you can use to acquire the Torah that is associated with you are the tools that you were granted. There's a mission that's entrusted to you, and there are tools that you are given that are uniquely suited towards achieving and accomplishing that specific mission. So if you start looking elsewhere, and you're envious of other people's abilities and their gifts and their speed of grasp and their razor-sharp intelligence, you are seeking someone else's lot, and you're not happy with your lot, and that will preclude you from accomplishing your dimension in Torah. You will only find what is yours if you use the tools that are yours to achieve that. And we remember, the Rambam tells us, that every single human, he doesn't say Jew, he says human, can be as great as Moshe. Now, I have some uh, disappointing news for you. You will never be as great as Moshe. Never. And the Rambam knew that as well as you now know. Moshe is the humblest of men. You will never be as humble as Moshe. Moshe is the greatest prophet who ever lived certainly amongst the Jewish people, you will never be a prophet, well, you may be a prophet, but not in the caliber of Moshe. You will never ascend to heaven and negotiate the uh, release of the Torah and the tablets from the angels. It just won't happen. You won't survive 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking or sleeping in heaven. You will not split the sea. You will not navigate the nation out of Egypt or bring us 40 years of manna. Sorry, not possible. Yet, on some dimension, you can be as great as Moshe. How can you be as great as Moshe? This is the answer. Moshe has his mission. His mission is a billion times larger than ours. But Moshe did all that the Almighty wanted him to do. We cannot do what Moshe did. We're just not candidates for that mission. But we can do what Hashem wants of us to do. Every human has a mission from God. And you are judged as as per the relative fulfillment of your mission. And if a person does 100% of their mission... They're like Moshe on one dimension. Because Moshe did 100% of what he was entrusted with. And if we do 100% of what we are entrusted with, then on one dimension, we are like Moshe. But the only way that that can happen is if we're happy with our lot. I realize I have my lot. I have my mission. I have the 
portion of Torah that's according to my soul. And I have my tools, I have my abilities, and I have all the circumstances of my life that are particularly designed to position me towards achieving that goal. If you embrace that, you're happy with that, you embrace all the tools that you have, all the strengths and qualities that are entrusted, that are bestowed upon you. If you embrace your lot, then there is potentially a path for you to acquire Torah. But if you reject it, if you repudiate your lot, you will never discover your portion in Torah. As always, I look forward towards your questions, your comments, and your feedback. And my email, if you want to send me an email, rabbiwalby at gmail.com.